Now, as I said earlier, today in many ways is the first of our week of prayer, and I'm going to continue my series on prayer. I'm going to be speaking about the gift of tongues, and we'll be reading a scripture in a moment. But I want you to know that the message to take home with you today is this. God gives you a beautiful prayer language to enrich your prayer experience. God gives you a beautiful prayer language to enrich your prayer experience. And uh, a little later on, beginning today and throughout this week, we have a, a sheet that has been mailed out to, uh, on internet and email to each of the cell leaders. We'll be looking at that, praying for one another, and the questions that I want you to be looking at to apply for your lives. Now, I'm going to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I'm going to read verses 1 to 19. Now, it's a dangerous passage to read because I cannot explain and comment on the whole of it. And it reminds me we need to get back to this topic of speaking in tongues on another occasion, perhaps in a full series on the gifts of the Spirit. But I want to highlight today how that your heavenly prayer language, the gift of tongues, your spiritual prayer language, is a gift to enhance your praying. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1 through 19. Pursue love. Desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching? Even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? For if a trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? So likewise you, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Therefore let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? 
I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit and I will also sing with the understanding. Otherwise, if you bless with the spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks since he doesn't understand what you say? For if indeed you give thanks well, but the other is not edified. I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church, I'd rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. So a long passage, and I'm only going to highlight the use of this gift in prayer. Come back another time, as I say, to all of those things. Now, what you will see straight away is it seems a strange passage to be addressing you on tongues because the whole emphasis here is on prophecy. But it's important to know that Paul is teaching in a certain context, and that is a group of uh, people in Corinth were abusing the gift of tongues, and uh, here's how they were doing it. One after the other would stand up and address the congregation in tongues and sit down. They would open in tongues. They would close in tongues. They would pray in tongues. No interpretation. They would sing in tongues. They would preach in tongues. And Paul says, this is useless. Nobody's understanding what you are, what you are saying. That's the context. So he said, in that context, if you speak in tongues, you better interpret so that people can understand you if you're seeking to address the congregation. And uh, if you're preaching, you've got to preach in a language they can understand. And that's what Paul is addressing. Now, uh, a number of years ago, in fact, I, I can remember the date, I think 1991, I was way up in Kenya in the Rift Valley region, in the Molo Mountain Range, in the Rift Valley, and I came across just such a congregation. Reading Paul, you think, what, is anybody that dumb and stupid to think that that's how to go about things? But if you have this understanding that speaking in tongues is speaking in the spirit, you'd want everything to be done in the spirit. So this congregation, that's exactly what they did. The pastor would stand up and instead of saying, I greet you in the name of Jesus, he'd go off in tongues then sit down, then somebody would give the notices in tongues, and, and then somebody else would give the sermon in tongues, and, and somebody else would give an exhortation in tongues, and no interpretation, and they thought that was spiritual. Nobody understood what was happening, not even the pastor, but they believed that if they were spiritual enough, one day they would eventually understand. Paul says, no, 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 that's an abuse of the gift of tongues. In that context, if you are addressing people to build them up, do it in a language that they understand. But tongues is not for addressing people. We read it. He that speaks in tongues does not speak to men, but speaks to God. It is this beautiful prayer language that God gives you to enrich your prayer experience. It was the 14th of February, 1972. Those of you that are superstitious will know that that's Valentine's Day. Well, I was romantic back in those days. So this was Jesus' Valentine present to me. It was the second time in a charismatic prayer group. This prayer group was attached to Holy Trinity Brompton. And back in that day, Sandy Miller reminded me, I don't think it was an official HTB prayer meeting, Colin. I don't know if he wanted to disassociate himself, but he was just letting me know the facts. On the 7th of February, 
I had a great time, a great experience. It was quite emotional, very joyful. But I was still seeking to be baptized in the Holy Spirit where I was told I would receive the gift of speaking in tongues. Remember that week I was so thirsty for more of God, for more of the Spirit of God. In that week, I even had a dream that I was speaking in tongues. And then it came to this, this uh, charismatic gathering. It was a prayer intercessory group, and, and they knew that I was seeking the Holy Spirit and uh, the height of the charismatic movement in many, many ways. And uh, so they played a tape by David Watson, How to Be Filled with the Spirit. And that was, they had no teachers there. They were just listening to this tape recording. And at the end, there was a general kind of prayer. And uh, they knew that I was seeking the Holy Spirit. And somebody prayed, Oh, Lord, if there's anybody here who is seeking the Holy Spirit, could you please bless them? And so they weren't bold enough to come and take me like a good Pentecostal and shake me. <laughs> and, uh, but they just prayed in a very polite, gentle, HTB way, God bless them. And then something happened. Bubbling up within me was this sensation. It was like living water on the inside, bubbling, 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 bubbling up. And it filled and filled and finally came out of my mouth. It was amazing. It was like I had found words to say something, express something deep within me that I never knew how to express it or even who to express it to. This gift of tongues was a wonderful prayer unto Jesus. And I had this impression, even before I knew of the scriptural teaching, I had this impression that I was speaking directly to Jesus who was seated in heaven and it was he himself who had blessed me with this gift. And it's coming back to me now because straight after that there was a prophecy saying God has blessed you with this gift and it's a responsibility upon your life. Then it was an exhortation to be faithful to God. What a radical revolution, transformation of my life. And from that day to this, 1972, how many people were not born in 1972? That's more of you should be lifting your hands. I've been speaking in tongues longer than you were born. <laughs> and I wouldn't exchange it for anything. I think that it's a wonderful gift. And then from that time to this, the Holy Spirit has taught me how this gift is to be used. And let's have a look at some of the things. First of all, we see some of the benefits from these scriptures of speaking in tongues and praying in tongues. Verses 14 to 16 says, If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Let's just stop there. If I pray in a tongue, see, it's a prayer language. If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. It's a spiritual gift enabled by the Holy Spirit. It is not a psychological phenomenon. It is not just an emotional phenomenon. It's a spiritual phenomenon. I would even call it a miracle, a supernatural phenomenon. My spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. 
So what this is saying, it's not the product of your understanding. You are speaking in a language that you've never learned. It's not about you expressing your thoughts in, in a cognitive way and putting that into language. It is deeper than that. It says, my spirit prays. In other words, that gift comes from deep within your spirit, the interface between God, the Holy Spirit, and your inner life is your human spirit. Your human spirit, once awakened, is connected to God and the gift of tongues is a language it's the language of communication between the Holy Spirit and your spirit and at times when you speak out in tongues it says you are praying with the spirit then verse 15 and it's good to get to the cut to the chase here verse 15 gives us the conclusion and don't forget, I mentioned to you that the context here is a rather a bit of a polemic against the abuse of tongues. And the correction of abuse is not non-use. The correction of abuse is right use. So when Paul is really wanting to emphasize how important it is to prophesy to one another, rather than just speaking in tongues to one another without interpretation, it's nonsense. He says, this is the conclusion, verse 15, I will pray with the Spirit, I'll pray with tongues, and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. So Paul is saying it's not just about speaking in tongues or having or forbidding speaking in tongues. Speak in tongues, sing in tongues, that's great. Don't do that only, though. Also do it with understanding, which means that more and more we should take to heart the verse that says, he that speaks in an unknown tongue should also pray that he or she might interpret. A little bit of an aside. Many times when I begin to pray, I start to pr by praying in tongues because it's a way of exercising my spirit, warming up my often cold spirit. Something to remember this morning when you roll out of bed long before the sun even decides it's going to show its face with a threat not to show its face the whole day in these winter mornings. And there in that cold and dark, you need something to warm you up. And here it is. Karabatakayashaka. Hallelujah. Start to warm your spirit. And then you attune your spirit to what the Holy Spirit is saying and doing. But you don't just pray in tongues. You pray in your own language as well. And so you go from the one to the other. And oftentimes when you move back into your own language, you start praying things that you hadn't thought about. Hmm, that's interesting. I wonder why I prayed that way. One of the answers to that is that God is dropping some interpretation into your spirit and you are now beginning to express in your own language what God had been showing you in the spiritual language. Remember that verse that we read? I'll come back to it, but it says, He speaks mysteries in the spirit. When you speak in tongues, you're speaking mysteries in the spirit. Now, modern language doesn't help us here. Because if I speak about a mystery, it's like, hmm, I don't understand that. And it's very confusing. Or, you know, if it might be a, a thriller or a murder mystery or an Agatha Christie mystery, it's like we don't know, and then everything becomes revealed. Now, when the Bible uses the word mystery, it means an open 
secret. It means there's something up to this point has not been revealed, but at this point it is now openly revealed. So we could actually say, instead of the word mystery, we could interpret it and read it as revelation. So when you speak in tongues, you are speaking revelation in a language you've never learned, and with the gift of interpretation, that revelation can begin to work in your human understanding and transform your human understanding so it begins to line up with spiritual understanding. Amen and amen. So the gift of tongues is not a human, normal human capacity. It's a gift of the Spirit. Prayer here is a divine operation. Praying in tongues is a divine operation. In fact, all praying should be pray, prayer in the Spirit. In other words, God leading us and guiding us. On the 3rd of January, if you look up the message, you didn't get it. We talked about the way the Holy Spirit intercedes for the saints with groanings that cannot be uttered. And this helps us when we look at the huge problems in the world and, and we are groaning. The world is not as it should be. And the, God says, that's the Holy Spirit. It's not just you with the spirit of grumbling and mumbling and complaining. It's the Holy Spirit interceding for the saints according to the will of God. And the Holy Spirit is working in such a way as you cannot put it into any form of words. It's just a deep sighing, a deep groaning in the spirit. Now, that deep groaning and sighing is being put into words but this time, not in a language you cognitively understand or recognize. It is a language you've never learned. It is the gift of tongues. And so, it's giving words to the divine operation of the Holy Spirit. It's transrational. In other words, you can't put... I, I, I like the word transrational. Real, real, I did not say irrational. Irrational means it's nonsense. It's not gibberish. When you're speaking in tongues, it's not gibberish. That's irrational speech. This is transrational. It's not what you understand with your own human mind. It is the fruit of the spirit, not the fruit of your understanding. But it is transrational. In other words, it is a rational language, but it is rational beyond human understanding. And that's important. Because prayer is this huge, mysterious thing. Prayer is this thing that we'll never, ever get to the bottom of. And God is so amazing in the way he works, giving us this wonderful prayer language to enrich our praying by taking us deeper in the spirit than we would go if we were just articulating words that occurred to us through our own cognitions. Amen and amen. So that's uh, a few of the benefits. Now, let's look at some facts. I've got to be selective here just to make the point that I want to make today, which is that God is giving you this language so that you can go deeper with him in prayer. Some facts about speaking in tongues. Let's have a look at 1 Corinthians 14, verses 2 to 3. He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. That tells us this is a prayer language. If you are speaking to God, you are praying. So this is a prayer language. It's not a language for regular human communication. Now, on the day of Pentecost, you might recall, this is where the gift was first given. It seems to me to be a highly unusual manifestation of the gift of tongues on that day. Because people were praising God, 
and they're they're using languages that were understood amongst the Jews from the diaspora. They were using the dialects from the very villages where these scattered Jews who were back in Jerusalem for the Feast of the Tabernacle, for the Feast of Pentecost, and they were able to hear in the dialects of their own village. And that was amazing. How is it that you Galileans speak with perfect accents the languages that we learn as from our mother's knee right the way up? And and you're praising God. What is this? And that was a sign and a wonder which was the basis of preaching the gospel. But when Peter stood up, he used the language they could all understand. Either the Greek language, which everybody understood, or the Aramaic language, which the Hellenistic Jews might not have understood fully well. So it was most likely in Greek. And so he was preaching in Greek, not in tongues. The tongues was a sign that pointed to the reality of the presence of the Spirit. Spirit of God, but by and large, when we exercise this gift today, it is often in an unknown language. Doesn't mean to say it's no language at all, but it's not often known by the people around us. The Bible speaks about speaking the tongues of men, human languages, and of angels, spiritual language. And uh, in my experience, speaking in tongues is very rarely a language, in my experience, that people understand. There are exceptions. I remember the first story I heard here as a young believer, not very long after that time, was at 1972. When did Noah die? Did Noah die in 1971? It was a long time ago, but it was after, after the time of Noah. And in the, in the small hall back there, it's called the Consolidation Room today, back there was bare boards, very old Pentecostal kind of style. And Eldon Corsi, who was this pastor of, of that day, and, I was, I was, and, and he was speaking in tongues, and everybody was praying in tongues before the service. And just after the uh, prayer meeting, pre-service prayer meeting, somebody said, oh, you've been to my village. I said, where did you come from? No, 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 there's some obscure place in Africa. No, no, I've never been there. Well, how come you speak my language? I don't speak your language. Oh, yes, you do. You've just been speaking it throughout this prayer meeting. Oh, no, I was speaking in tongues. Then Eldon Corsi thought, wow, that's interesting. He couldn't resist it. Tell me, what was I saying? (laughs) And the man said, you were praying over and over again. Oh, God, when will you revive this church? Oh, God, when will you revive this church? The Holy Spirit gave the utterance of tongues, that prayer language at that time, to express a deep thing that was on the heart of the Holy Spirit and on the heart of the senior pastor at that time. Somebody was sitting in the uh, transept here not very, very long ago, and just just minding their own business like any one of Kensington Temple people come in and do before the service, praying softly in tongues, waiting on God. Somebody came in, sat next to her, listened to every word, and after she finished, he said, I'm ready. What for? (laughs) To give my life to Jesus. Well, that's wonderful, but what do you mean you're ready? That's what you've been telling me to do for the last five minutes. (laughs) No, I wasn't. I was praying in tongues. Okay? So there are examples like that, but 
mainly, mainly, in my experience, and maybe God will bring us into a new era where it's different from what I describe now, but mainly it's in languages nobody understands. And that's why interpretation is necessary. My own personal experience of this is a slightly shocking one. And uh, just to show you that this is the Holy Spirit at work and he doesn't pull any punches. Years ago, I was traveling in a place in the world where I was being hosted by people I didn't know very well, put my trust in one person in particular who turned out to be a, a huge charlatan, but God used him and opened many doors. We saw signs and wonders and many, many thousands of, well, hundreds at that time, uh, people healed and saved. And uh, when we meet, we'd meet before the meetings, meet together to pray, and I would begin to pray in tongues, and one day they were very, very quiet, very quiet. And I found out a long time later when one of the young men who was in that meeting confessed to me. We were found out that the leader was, was trying to exploit... Oh, it was a... Sorry, just a bad news, bad news guy, okay? All right, it happens. God have mercy. But this is what I was praying. I was praying in tongues, and I was using their tribal language. I didn't know that. And this is what I was saying over and over again. Hypocrite, you hypocrite. Hypocrite, you hypocrite. Hypocrite. And there am I just thinking I'm praising God. Hallelujah. Uh, so this is real. I say that because this is real. It is a real language. Um, did you notice when it said, it talked about musical instruments and trumpet, flute and harp. So music is a language, isn't it? I mean, it's a musical language, okay? So it has meaning, it has meaning. So if you're not playing a tune or ha that has meaning, people aren't going to recognize it. And that's very important when you're at war and you have the trumpet sound to advance or retreat and all those signals. If it was an uncertain sound, People couldn't act on it. So Paul is using his argument to say, don't just speak to one another in tongues. You've got to use language that can be understood. And he uses the word there, sound. You know where you get the word phonic or phono? You know the sound, phono? That's the Greek word there. And then he says, use the same word of languages. So when you speak phono or phonon languages, it must have meaning. So that made me think a little bit because... When he's saying languages, he's talking about anything that conveys meaning. So even if, uh, what should we say, linguist, ling, linguists take a hold of the language of tongues and say, oh, it doesn't sound like a language to me, <laughs> it carries meaning. Anything that carries meaning, even if we cannot discern the syntax, the grammar, it still carries meaning. One of the uh, critics of this I read some time ago in a book highly critical of our view of tongues and said, you know, these people that speak in tongues is not language at all. It's impossible. Every vowel is open in, in all of it. They analyzed it. They said, no, this is not a language. Until I remembered the place of my birth. Hallelujah. Listen to what I'm about to say. I'll translate. It's not speaking in tongues. I'm speaking in Swahili. So listen to it, and we'll come back and analyze. Jambu sana. Habari gani. Nina Taka Kula Chakula. Sasaivi. How about Hakuna Matata? You know that. <laughs> Did you notice every word ended in a vowel? Jambu Sana. A big hello. Habarigani. How are you? I want to eat some food soon. Nina Taka Kula Chakula. Sasaivi. 
every word, see, every word ends in an open vowel, and that's a language. How dare you say that Swahili is not a language just because it ends in open vowels? So people are sometimes are too critical for their own good. We understand this is a language. It's not mere gibberish, not psychological phenomenon. It is a spiritual gift, a real language. Now, what then about the purpose of speaking in tongues? Okay, there's a private use and a public use. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 14, verses 4 to 5. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. So when you're speaking in tongues, it's of benefit to you. You're building yourself up. And that edification must be linked to deeper levels of communication than regular cognitive levels. In other words, it's a deep thing. That was my impression way, way back all those years ago, that I was communicating something real. It gave vent. It gave expression to deep things within me. Just as the Bible says, deep calls unto deep. It was just like that for me. So it is of benefit. Builds yourself up. If you want to build somebody else up, you've got to either interpret your tongue or stick to English, if you're an English speaker, okay? And prophesy in that language. But if you speak in tongues, you're building yourself up. Uh, uh, Roberts led and says it's the equivalent of doing spiritual press-ups. Or was that me in one of my books? I can't remember. Whoever said it, it sounds good, and we can go with it. You build yourself up. And Paul says, I wish you all spoke with tongues. Now, that's good. I'm leaving, leaving up, but rather you prophesy. He's talking about public meetings. I'm talking about private he says, I, I speak with tongues more than you all. If they had six long hour meetings, I don't know how long their meetings were. I can imagine as long as that, some of our meetings go on as long as that, at least they feel like it. And if they're just speaking in tongues, how could Paul says, I speak with tongues more than you all? They were, that's all they were doing, speaking with tongues. So Paul is encouraging us to be involved in this gift. All may speak in tongues. Do it as much as you can. It's a very important gift. And... But then he also says, pray with the Spirit, pray with the understanding. Don't just pray in tongues, but when you do, you're speaking mysteries and revelation, and then when you come back into English or your own language that you are speaking, you'll be surprised how your tone will change, how your thoughts will have changed as the Spirit begins to reveal by interpretation what is on his heart that you've just been praying in the spiritual prayer language, greater insight. So it's a private use. And even in a public service, we can have a private use. In other words, you're just speaking softly to yourself and to God, and that's good. Hope people are praying for me in tongues right now. I hope that our intercessors are giving a good healer mashila for me right now. I hope they are. Praise God. But there is also a public use of the public gift. In other words, if I was to stand up right now and address you in tongues, I'd be obliged to ensure that it was interpreted by the gift of the Spirit so you could understand. But if we were all to do it together, it is not addressing one another. We are addressing God together as one body, speaking to ourselves and to God. A lot of people find the second part of this chapter 14, read it at home if you like, 
to be confusing because Paul says if somebody comes in and you're all praying in tongues, won't they think that you're mad? Well, they might think we're mad for lots of reasons, but not here, not in this church, not for that reason. Because Paul is not contrasting everybody prophesying one by one with everybody praying in tongues all at once. He's contrasting everybody prophesying one by one with everybody speaking in tongues publicly one by one. I mean, that's crazy. Imagine if this morning, we won't do it, but just imagine it's... Imagine I came up this morning, and instead of, instead of greeting you, you know, in a, in a normal way, you know, I start to just speak in tongues. And I get a bit, why aren't you, why aren't you, and I want you to sit down and speak in tongues. You don't know when you stand speak in tongues. Then, then Bruce comes and takes the offering in tongues, and I would never do that. No, no. <laughs> we want you to understand <laughs> that, that part. Okay? So that's, you'd be crazy if you did that. And it wouldn't even sound crazy. You would be crazy. But when everybody's joining in together, it's one voice. It's the church praying by the Holy Spirit with lots and lots of different ways woven together. But it's not addressing one another. It is addressing God. So there is a private use on your own, a private use in a public meeting, a public use for, with interpretation, and a corporate use where there's no need for interpretation. We're all praying together. Read through uh, Paul in 1 Corinthians 14. Check that out, because that's a very important thing. I hear some of us are pretty confused and think it is unbiblical when we sing and pray in tongues together. Okay, now when you are praying in tongues, know that you can be praying any kind of prayer. A good thing to think about, and I compare it to, is the, is the Psalms. The Psalms is the prayer and praise book. It's the prayer book and praise book of the Old Testament. And all of those Psalms, nearly all of them, it's all about addressing God. Sometimes God is speaking, but it's about in the context of praise and worship. And in the Psalms, you have intercession, you have lamentation, you have prayers, you have warfare Psalms. And when you're praying in tongues, it can be all, any one of those things as the Holy Spirit leads, even if technically we must acknowledge that it's all addressed to God. Now, in the old days of Pentecostal churches, they had a lot of ideas about tongues. First of all, if you were speaking a language that sounded like an Indian language, you were called to India. If you were speaking in a Chinese language, you would have to go to China. And uh, so people used to try and speak in their own native accent as much as they could stay at home. <laughs> Not get to, I made that up, but anyway. <laughs> That's what I would have done. <laughs> but also there was this idea that the way to minister from the congregation was to stand up and speak in tongues and sit down again, and the pastor would have to interpret you. And it wasn't an interpretation, it was an interruption sometimes to the flow of the Holy Spirit. I remember a dear lady, and, and she's in heaven now, so uh, she can't hear me, and if she could, she'd be laughing, so don't worry about it. Her dear old Jessie, she was a Scottish lady, and she would sit right there where the seats are vacant, right where there are no seats at all. She would sit there, and as the meeting would flow, so she would build up a head of steam, rather like a steam engine. You could hear it. And just when the, when the meeting began to flow, she would stand up, and she would hold on to the chair, and she would rattle like this. And then when she came in for her utterance in tongues, it would go the same way 
every week. I can repeat it now syllable by syllable because in those days I was only 18 years of age. I was very rude and very young. Now I'm very mature, as you can see. <laughs> <laughs> and she shrieked, I used to think, recent from Australia, who is this Sheila she's talking about? <laughs> And then she would kind of peter out. Occasionally, just when you thought she'd finished, she'd start again. And Eldon Corsi, a very loving, patient pastor, waited until this was over, and then gave a little word of education. It was a lot of edification. The woman needed educating, bless her. And it was always a word of exhortation. Now, Tongues is not speaking to people. A message in tongues is not a really strong uh, biblical uh, picture. But however, listen to this. Suppose right now I felt, and it has happened, I felt inclined to take the microphone and speak down the microphone to all of you in tongues. I would be obliged to interpret or somebody else would have to. Otherwise, it's going against what Paul says. Got it? How would the interpretation be? If I'm praising God, how would the interpretation be? Would it be a message to you? Or would it be a message uh, interpreting a prayer? Let me just choose. Let me just choose a psalm just to show you. Are you with me for this? I, I shouldn't really spend so time, time on this. We don't have time, but I'm missing out so much. Okay. Psalm 54. Save me, O God, by your name, and vindicate me by your strength. Hear my prayer, O God. Give ear to the words of my mouth, for strangers have risen up against me. Okay? Maybe somebody's praying could be praying something like that. And the interpretation could be literal. Save me, O God. Okay? But what happens if they interpret, because it's not a strict translation, the interpretation is an explanation, and maybe what if they would say, God wants to save you by his name. He wants to vindicate you by his strength. He's going to hear your cry. He's going to give ear to the words of your mouth, for strangers have risen up against you. That's good interpretation, isn't it? But it becomes revelation to you. How wonderful it is when our praying to God becomes revelation to us and to others. That's how prayer should be. Amen? Give Jesus a big praise in the house. I want to finish by saying how to receive the gift of tongues. Because we're not just going to talk about it. We're going to pray in tongues now or very, very soon. And if you don't have the gift, listen carefully because you can receive it today. Okay? How to receive the gift of tongues. Turn to John 4. It'll be on the screen. John 4, 13 to 14 in the New Living Translation. Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. <laughs> I've just become my own sermon illustration. All right. He's talking to the woman of the well, trying to get her focused off natural things to spiritual things. And the water you're giving, he says, you'll become thirsty again. But listen, verse 14. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. So it's talking about a spiritual thirst and a supernatural 
satisfaction of a spiritual thirst. And this is how he describes it. It will become, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, yes? Uh, it will become a fresh, I like that. Do you want to be refreshed in the Spirit today? When you speak in tongues, you are refreshing your spirit. Amen and amen. It becomes a fresh, bubbling, bubbling, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Now, what that means is the entire ministry of the Spirit given to believers. Later on, it goes on in John 7 to say he spoke of the Spirit which, which had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. It talks about the gift of life. It's talking about the gift of salvation. It's talking about everything that the Holy Spirit brings to you. And we know that one of the first things the Holy Spirit brings when people come to Christ, are baptized in water, baptized in the Holy Spirit, is the release of the gift of tongues. And it was exactly what I felt on that evening all those years ago, something bubbling, 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 overflow. The Bible says the mouth is the overflow of the heart. And when the Holy Spirit, who is the gift of God to every believer, begins to bubble up within us and we give expression to that, it's as natural as the overflow of living water that God has given you. Bubbling up inside of you, being vocalized in a new gift of God, speaking in tongues, available to all who may, all who may speak in tongues. We focus on Christ, not the gift of tongues. But when we receive that, we can begin to develop a life of prayer which is wonderful. It's beautiful prayer language. It enriches your prayer experience. So, the gift of tongues is the Holy Spirit helping you pray in a way that transcends your own understanding in order to express the deep things of God. And as you do, you touch the mysteries of God with interpretation and insight leading to greater depths of revelation. Conclusion, I will pray with the Spirit and I will pray with the understanding. Amen and amen.
Thank you.